This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. It's Thursday, September the 30th, and the former Met Police officer from Kent who murdered Sarah Everard has been told he'll spend the rest of his life in prison. 48-year-old Wayne Cousins from Deal kidnapped the 33-year-old as she walked home in South London in March. Yesterday, a court was told he'd falsely arrested Sarah after accusing her of breaching lockdown rules. He then drove 80 miles to Woodland near Ashford, where her body was found a week later. A judge has described Cousins as warped and brutal and told him there's no chance of parole. Our reporter, Sean Axtell, was listening to proceedings at the Old Bailey earlier. Lord Justice Fulford described the circumstance of the murder as grotesque and Miss Everard's final hour as bleak and agonising as impossible to imagine. He told the killer the abduction was long planned on a victim he was yet to select but intended to coerce into custody. The judge described Sarah's family and friends as irretrievably damaged and commended their bravery throughout the proceedings. He told Cousins he eroded the confidence the public were entitled to have in the police forces of England and Wales. He said, and I quote here, You've added to the sense of insecurity many have living in our cities, perhaps particularly women, when travelling by themselves and especially at night. He told Cousins that despite the killer's guilty pleas, he had seen no evidence of genuine contrition, as opposed to evident self-pity in attempts, he said, by you to avoid or minimise the proper consequences of what you have done. He told Cousins he'll be in prison for life and that tariff is a whole life order. Cousins had spent a month planning the killing. He was caught on CCTV buying rubble bags and fuel and he prowled London looking for a lone woman. He was questioned at his home in the days after Sarah was reported missing. He initially denied knowing her, then said he'd been threatened by a gang who forced him to kidnap her. Do you know Sarah? I don't know. Sarah went missing um, on Wednesday and her parents obviously and her family are really worried about her now. The inquiry that's been conducted so far has led us to come and speak to you about it and to see what we, what we know about Sarah, okay? So, would you like to, do you know where Sarah is? No. Right, okay. Do you know anything about what happened tonight? I know that um, she went missing up in um, London somewhere, um, what, about a week ago or so, uh, just from what I've got on the news. Okay. Have you ever personally met her? No, not personally, no. Have you had any interactions with her at all? No, uh, why, 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 why would I have personal interactions with her? I can't go into a lot of the evidence because obviously that would require, that's not part of what an urgent interview is, okay? This interview is just about trying to find her. Sure. She's been missing for a while well, now. I'm sat in handcuffs, and so you must have something to say that I, I know. Well, I said, you've been arrested on suspicion of kidnap, and we believe that you've been involved in her disappearance and taking her away from her family. Now, we believe that you know something about where she is, and that's why we're here, to look for her and to try and find her. And that's why we're talking to you now, is to try and get you to have a good think about it. And Okay, um, well, I am in financial shit, um, and I've been um, lent on by 
um, I don't know who they are. They're a group, a gang, whatever. Um, and they told me why I need to go and pick up girls and give them to them. So um, I said, not happening. Um, and it then came through that they're gonna harm my family, take them away, and they'll use them instead. Um, but at that point, I had no option to try and find somebody. So I don't. Um, there's just a couple of names. I was told a place to um, take her. Well, that was all a web of lies that detectives untangled. Dashcam footage also emerged showing him talking to Sarah by the side of a road the night she disappeared. Cousins pleaded guilty to kidnap, rape and murder at two earlier court hearings so didn't stand trial and the two-day sentencing was the first time we'd learned in full about his horrific acts. There are questions for the police about their handling of accusations against Sarah Everard's killer, who was known amongst his colleagues as the rapist. Cousins was being investigated for his behaviour towards women just days before the murder. While calls have been made today for Met Commissioner Dame Cresta Dick to resign. Jim Barton from Chatham is a former London police officer and he's been speaking to Leisha. How much do you think that this will damage the reputation of not only the Met Police but, you know, the wider police as well? Police officers have always had a, a, a tough job. Um, it, it is an extremely tough job, but they've got to do the job correctly and they've got to do it even louder and more correct now than what they did in the past. And, and the public have got to have faith in them. You know, the police officers themselves won't want a bad police officer amongst them. Uh, and the public have, have really got to, to support them. Uh, it's the same as everybody's got to take reasonable care in what they do. And there shouldn't be a reason why you don't stop for a police officer if he stops you, if he's in full uniform, he's in a police car. There is nothing there to say don't stop for you. Um, it's just really tough job now for the police officers, same as any other frontline workers, that uh, they've got to be trusted to do their job. Sometimes there is a very bad person amongst them, uh, which is what's happened here. Um, and it makes it tougher for the police officers, but you, you've got to trust them. You've, because there, there isn't really an alternative. You, you've got to do what they're asking you to do, and they try and do it in a, in a fair way. And do you think that there needs to be maybe more vetting for police officers and more updated checks to make sure people like Wayne Cousins aren't allowed to slip through the net and go unnoticed when they're not mentally fit for service? That's, that's a real tough one, especially a, a appropriate for myself, because you know, I've been under mental health care for, for years and years and years, but... Uh, you wouldn't see anywhere that uh, I wasn't considered a, a good police officer. Um, it, the vetting does have to be stronger. Um, it has to be done thoroughly. And people have to speak out if they feel that someone's applied for a police officer's role and they may not be suitable. Yes, the vetting has to be very thorough and very strong. Sarah's death sparked huge protests about women's safety. You may remember hundreds gathered for a vigil on the common where she'd walked before being kidnapped and trouble flared as tensions with officers grew. Patsy Stevenson was arrested at that vigil. The police seemed to be trying to distance themselves uh, by saying that no one saw him as a police officer. He was a police officer, but that is a fact. There's no um, getting away from that. There's a complete lack of accountability 
Sadly, Sarah's death is not the only we've reported on in recent months which involved a woman walking alone. Kent PCSO Julia James was attacked as she walked her dog in Snowdown. Earlier this month, teacher Sabina Nessa was killed as she walked to a pub in south-east London. Dartford councillor Kelly Green has been speaking to Tom from our colleagues at KMTV. Whenever these tragedies happen, we're told this is an isolated incident, this is a very rare thing. But actually, violence against women isn't rare at all. It's... Um, it's endemic in our society. We know that two women are killed by partners or ex-partners every week. Um, I'm not sure the figures of how many people are killed um, by strangers, but certainly women are killed um, in large numbers by people that they know. I think since Sarah's death, there's been 77 women killed where men are the main suspects or have been convicted already. So it's a very, it's a very big problem. And in the main, it's treated like a minor problem, which is why it continues to be such a problem. Especially Sarah's case, you know, sparked a lot, a lot of protests across the country. Um, the media covered it quite, quite a lot. Um, has anything changed, in your opinion, since then, or, or, or not? Um, I think a small change has been, in my experience, that some men have um, become more aware of the problem. So certainly, I've had conversations with men since Sarah's death where they talked about things like how they can make life more safe for women that they know and women that they don't know. So things like uh, in a train carriage uh, late at night, don't go and sit next to a woman when there's other seats free. Um, Don't walk behind a woman when you can cross the street, that sort of thing. Um, So I think there's been small changes in in that sense, but in a wider sense, no, I think life is as dangerous for women as it's ever been. And what what would you like um, to see being done? Women should be safe to walk anywhere. How on earth are we expected to work, to bring up our children, to do anything if we're supposed to second guess where we can walk, where we can go, what lifts we can go into, what transport we can use? So the first thing we need to do is stop this victim blaming and victim questioning. Even yesterday, I saw um, I saw news articles, news headlines referring to what she was wearing, where she was going. This is absolutely irrelevant. I'm really sick to death of seeing headlines about women victims that refer to what they were wearing or who they were or were not with. You never, ever see that in, a, in the case of a male victim. And it, it's just part of this culture of where women are expected to change their behaviour to accommodate men and to accommodate danger caused by men. So that's the first thing we need to see a, a change in. At Kent Online today, you can see in full that interview with Wayne Cousins at his home. You can also read the statements made by Sarah's family in court on the impact her death has had on them. And tonight's episode of The Lowdown on our Facebook Live will be discussing women's safety. You can watch from six and ask questions or post comments during the programme. Finally, on this, our thoughts are very much with Sarah's friends and family. Kent Online News. Other news for you today and the government says legal proceedings have begun against climate change protesters who face fines or prison for blocking the M25. 27 people were arrested during two separate demonstrations by Insulate Britain at Junction 3 for the Swanley Interchange yesterday. They also caused disruption at the Port of Dover last week and are threatening to keep going until the government takes action to tackle emissions from homes. A jealous boyfriend who threatened his girlfriend at knife point if she refused to hand over her Facebook password has been jailed for two years. 
Gregory Robinson then led police on a chase through Ramsgate following a drink and drugs binge. The 41-year-old from Meridian Close in the town has also been banned from driving for two years and given a five-year restraining order. A Dartford man who posed as a builder and police officer to scam a pensioner has also been sent to prison after previously avoiding jail. Michael O'Neill was initially given a suspended sentence that's now been deemed unduly lenient. The 38-year-old from Spielman Road stole more than £2,000 from the vulnerable victim last February. It's feared the end of the furlough scheme today could see more people relying on food handouts in Kent. Food banks say a combination of factors, including also the end of a temporary rise in universal credit, along with higher gas bills, will impact many in the county. Lorraine Schultz is from the Medway Food Bank. So we've already seen quite large increases in the number of people using the food bank. We're dealing with about a 60 to 70 percent increase on pre-COVID levels. So unfortunately, we may even be seeing uh, more of an increase, which is worrying. And I'm calling it a perfect poverty storm. We've got national insurance increases, we've got fuel cap changes, um, the £20 uplift is going for people, and now the end of furlough as well. It's just so many things happening for families already to cope with. It's very difficult to see um, how they're going to manage, although it was good news today to hear about the Household Support Fund, I think it's called, that's going to be available for people. But whatever it is, people will need a lifeline to survive the winter. Furlough was set up at the start of the pandemic to help companies keep workers on but not have to pay their full wages. Mike Arnold is from Employment Law For You, based in Herne Bay. Potentially, there's a lot of... um employers now <clears throat> faced with a situation of um, not being able to pay for employees that potentially they don't need. Um, they've operated with their employees being out of the work environment um, and all of a sudden the money's not available anymore to cover their wages and I sus- suspect that will mean a lot of exploration into redundancies and layoffs. Um, employees do still have some rights. Um, It isn't just a question of people being uh, told they've got no job and that's it. Um, If they've got at least two years continuous service in their job, then they are protected from an unfair dismissal situation where the employer must go through a fair process in deciding whether or not to keep that employee on the book, so to speak. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street Maidstone. A Thanet woman who's been diagnosed with incurable breast cancer at the age of just 23 is urging others to check for lumps. Tasmin Gooding from Westgate went to the doctors last November, but a biopsy came back clear. She then found more lumps over the summer and was told the disease has spread to her neck, spine, pelvis and shoulders. More than £8,000 has been donated to an online fundraising page to help her enjoy the time she has left. A campaign started to try and stop the closure of a secondary school in West Kent. The Lee Academies Trust has said it plans to shut High Weald Academy in Cranbrook because it's no longer viable educationally or financially. Parents were told on Monday that Year 10 students will have to find a place elsewhere by Christmas. Others will leave at the end of the school year. Well, Hayley Webb lives in Staplehurst and has two boys at the school, one in Year 7 and the other in Year 10. I've been asking her about the impact it could have on them. My son has just gone into year 10. He is 
he's just started his journey for his GCSEs. It's an incredibly important year. Um, and for this just to be thrown at us, it's, I mean, he's been there since year seven. It's, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, he was in shock. My youngest has just started year seven and he has anxiety issues. And the reason why I chose High Wield was because it is such a small school. Um, he knows where, because of his issues, he knows where to get on the bus, where to get off the bus. If his brother is late or running late for whatever reason, he can do that journey on his own. Um, and where it's such a small school, there isn't the hustle and bustle. We're still having problems regarding trying to find lessons and things like that. But that's, you know, in the hustle bustle in the corridors when the bell goes, things like that. But he was getting there. And it takes such a long time for him to reach the place where he's at, at the moment. You know, with a bigger school, I just feel like he would sink. They are offering another placement at Mass Schools, which is part of their trust. That's 11 miles away from us um, in Paddock Woods. It's, I've written it down there. It's got a, I think 1,400 pupils. Um, to hold that sort of capacity. Um, the thought of that just frightens the life out of Louis. He's just, it was one of the first questions when I sat down and told him about what's going on. Um, he was like, well, how big is it? And you could just see he was scared. The journey in itself would be a train journey. There, you know, that leaves cost. Um, it's another hour on their day. And with the winter nights drawing in and extra, you know, curricular activities after school, it's going to be even later. Um, there's just so many issues that are all so wrong with it. And to just have it thrown on you on a Monday afternoon, three weeks into the new term. And over the past 18 months, as we know, children's education has been very disrupted through no fault of their own, but they've had home learning and things like that. How worried are you that... The thought of having to go to another school is going to potentially impact even further, particularly for someone like your son who already has a bit of anxiety and, and maybe settles to or struggles to settle in straight away. Yeah. Are you worried that this could, you know, set him back maybe? Hugely. I mean, this is what everyone's, you know, everyone says about it's we need to take care of children's mental health and their well-being. This isn't doing it. it. This isn't doing it. You almost feel like they're just, oh, well, don't worry about that lot. We've got a new lot to look after. Let them see to themselves. Um, it's so, like you said, they have lost so much over the last 18 months. Um, I think their mental state is very fragile at the moment, and it's down to us to look after them. And I don't think this idea of just closing a school that is so important to everybody is going to help. We've lost too much already. MP Helen Grant says she's opposed to the school closing and has encouraged parents to share their views over the next month. There's a warning the reputation of Canterbury could suffer if the city loses its world heritage status. Council bosses are meeting tonight to discuss what improvements can be made in the future, including building bypasses to reduce traffic in the city itself. Liverpool was recently stripped of its title due to the dockside undergoing too much development. 
A playing field in Strood has been described as a scene from a horror film because animal remains keep being dumped there. This is really strange. Residents living near the green at the back of Curlew Crescent say it's disgusting and has traumatised children who found them. Some parents have told their kids not to play there anymore. Medway Council says it's not been contacted about the problem, though. Three husky puppies have been rescued after being abandoned on the side of a road near Dartford. An investigation's underway after they were found in a dirty crate with no food or water in West Kingsdown. The RSPCA reckon they could have been bred during lockdown but failed to sell. They're being looked after by the charity and staff have named them Harry, Ron and Hermione. And finally today, it's thought evidence of an ancient settlement might have been found at the site of a controversial new housing development near Maidstone. The archaeology firm carrying out an excavation of land near St Nicholas Church in Otham is keeping quiet about what they've discovered. But villagers claim to have been told that rubble walls were found possibly dating back to to Saxon times. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on our socials. That's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. BlueButterfly.co.uk